Welcome to the After Chat. I'm Michael. I'm Ellis. I'm Madison. And today we are going to be talking about people who did not end well in the Bible. Yikes. Here right. we go. You all ready? Ready. Yep. Let's do it. Welcome to the After Chat. Real questions. Real talk. Real life. Okay, I have to know. So, if you could eat one type of cookie, not, not like, not like only eat cookies. Okay. It's it's specifically one kind within the category of cookies for Got the it. rest of your life. Only one kind. What would it be? So, like a genie comes and says, "You get one cookie for the rest of your life. One type of cookie, and this is the only cookie I'm going to get to eat forever." Yes. Okay. All right. Well. I want to go two, but I only get one. All right, only so one. the King Arthur brand, it comes in a, mi- a box. It's a gluten-free cookie, but oh. it's a legit good cookie mix. And it, it's chocolate chip cookie, King Arthur, gluten-free brand. There we go. I'm, I'm going to make those and eat them forever. Mm. Okay. Chocolate chip with walnuts. This one's easy. There we go. This one's easy. And uh, and like if I if I could create like the perfect conditions, like fresh out of the oven where the chocolate chips are still gooey. There we bro, go. Bro, that is yes. top tier. How do you feel about pecans? Um they're okay. They're an okay, okay substitute. They're not walnuts. Though. That's how I feel about <laughs> walnuts. Like they're okay, but I would oh. prefer ultimately pecans. Okay, my my type of cookie that I would happily eat only this kind for forever is literally just the kind you get from the grocery store. It's like, I don't know, chalk. It's like plain sugar cookie with oh, like yeah, icing yeah. on top oh, and sprinkles. Where they just change yes. it out from yeah. the holidays. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't like, know what they're called, yeah. but they're those cookies. It's a sugar cookie, yes. So like right now they're all red and pink for Valentine's Day. They're going to be green in a few weeks for St. Patrick's Day. And they're going to stain my entire mouth green when I'm eating them. Yeah. We got some with uh, green and yellow icing. I'm not sure what that was for. I was like, green and yellow. Not, I don't get it. Maybe it was like a football team. Maybe I don't know. I don't Beats know. me. Probably St. Patrick's Day. When, when did you get them? It was like a few months ago. It was like in the fall hmm. for sure. I don't. Hmm. I don't know, but those are good cookies. <laughs> they like, are pretty I mean, good. If they, if you're at the store, they're always tempting. Yes, because they put them right there at the door. That, I and feel like it's a sleeper pick. That's a good pick. They're yeah. always just like. They're sort of good, but at least they're predictable. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm never gonna get one of those and be like. Oh, it it cooked for too long. It's always yes. the same. I know what to expect. So, no, that's a good one. Thank you. All right. When was a time when you were at a crossroad and had to make a choice to go one way or another? I okay. It's a metaphorical crossroad, but last year, yeah, last year, uh, my car broke down real real bad, and I basically was given the option of I could replace the engine in the car, which was going to be a lot of money, or buy a new car. Um, And it was a sad thing to spend money, but I made the decision to get a new car because the other one was just constant problems. And so far, my Honda Civic is tried and true, so (laughs) I'm happy with my choice. I feel like the Honda Civic is the... Food Lion standard cookie of cars. Oh, yeah. It's yes. like super reliable. You know, I know what I'm going, gonna get. It's going to get you everywhere. As soon, yeah. as soon as I bought it, too, I had like five like middle aged men coming out of the woodwork and be like, if you take care of it, that thing will last you 300,000 miles. As long as you change oil and rotate them tires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. My uh, college decision process was super lengthy. I think we visited like it was like over 10 schools. Oh my god. Like gosh. it was wild. Um and I got it down to like I got it down to two that I was pretty on the fence about, right? We went like we had visited both of them before. We went and did like one final visit kind of thing. And uh while we were at the second one, I was like, I think this is it. And so 
we went to the admissions office and we were like, hey, we're ready to like commit or you know whatever. It's not like I was a Division One athlete or anything. <laughs> whatever the frick you call it. Like that, I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it right now. Sign me up for whatever. What do I sign? So yeah, that admit was it. Admit me, please. Yeah, admit me, please. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> Accepting the letter, yes. Good. So that was it. The rest is history. <laughs> uh, mine was like whenever I got out of the army, like I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to go back home to Missouri or stay here in Virginia. Um, and ultimately it just ended with, it'd be a big hassle to actually move a thousand miles back across the country. And yeah. so yeah, I just kind of just crossed my fingers and chose to stay here. I hate moving. I don't blame you. It's the worst. Moving and I'm, I haven't, well, I've moved states like as a baby, but I have, I've moved counties and even that will like upset my whole life and give me a meltdown. I hate moving so much. So that was kind of, I was really just too lazy to move back to Missouri. That's I think it's valid. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I remember when we moved into our house, putting the last box down and looking at my wife and saying, we're going to die in this house because I never <laughs> want to do this again. This is freaking terrible. I so. do believe, Feet I do first believe is that, how that will happen. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. So last one, what do you want to be remembered for? I think it's just someone that made my little, the little spot where I happen to find myself slightly better than yeah. left it or That's like good. whenever I arrived. I don't have, um, I don't have the, I don't have it to back me up on this right now, but most of the time this happens. I wear two different earrings. I got bored with wearing matching earrings. So I would like to be remembered as the person that wears two different earrings because she had so many cool earrings. <laughs> she couldn't stick to just one pair at a time. Nice. That's your epitaph. Yeah. Okay. Someone fun and aloof <laughs> and excited about life <laughs> and earrings <laughs> there's worse things to have on your headstone like last right. e last oh, episode yeah. last episode i was in i was wearing an eyeball in one ear and a frog in the other see and i've noticed that so like i noticed an eyeball earlier in the day but i'm on this side of you so it was a different it one was, i was yep. like and i kept thinking when did she change that and i don't have any in today but just ignore. I'm naked. Don't look at me. <laughs> See, the eyeball was on my side, and it was 15 minutes in, and I was like, is that an eyeball? What well, you don't want to ask in the middle of recording. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, wait a minute. What's that? <laughs> that is my eyeball. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think I would like to be remembered for honoring God and the things that he gave me to do and the people that he placed in my life. Simple as that. I think, that, I think that pretty much mine. covers covers all the bases, you know? So That's a pretty good one. Yes. I should have gone for a legit one and not the eyeball. I like I like the eyeball answer. Okay, good. I like You're the earrings answer. Over there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're going to be looking today at some people who did not end well. Um, so we're going to start out the episode. We're going to each look at one person that, like we just said, didn't end well. Then we're going to look at someone who... <laughs> Yes. Sorry, I felt like it needed we, a sound We effect. really need to like put a picture of them and then you make that sound uh, before each person that we look at. Or um, or like a take, like, hold on, a reaction take. So hold on, say the first person that we're talking okay. about. All right, we're going to, so first we're going to look at Heyman. <laughs> and then, wait, and then you. Oh, oh, oh okay, it's all here, a thing. All, all right, right, all right, hold right, on, right, here right. we go, Come here on, we go. We're, we're going to yep. queue it up. Okay, so first person we're going to look at is Heyman. Okay. Oh, these chairs are notorious for moving. Okay, so there we go. All right. Okay. All right. Let's hear about Heyman. <laughs> okay, so here we go. So we're gonna look at Heyman. And he is the big bad from from, from the book of Esther. Alright, so who who was Haman? So we're gonna hit you with some weird things. So Haman was an a Gagite, and the son of <laughs> Hamadatha. Um, and that's really all you need to know. Uh, Haman was likely a descendant of Agag, king of the Amalekites, who were the longtime enemy, uh, enemies of the Jewish people. Hmm. This was a group of people that God had told King Saul to completely destroy centuries earlier, and you can read about that in 1 Samuel uh, 15. 
But Saul failed to obey that command, and his disobedience eventually, all this time later, uh, led to the loss of or led to the loss of his kingdom, and by Esther's time, a threat to the annihilation of all of the Jew, of all of the Jews. So, you know, one person not doing what they were supposed to do can cause ramifications and butterfly effects in all sorts of places. Hmm. So. Haman was married to a woman named Zeresh, and they had ten sons, and Haman was a close confidant of Whoa. King... Sorry. Yes? That's a lot of sons. Yes. Keep going. <laughs> I mean, and that's just the sons. I mean, no telling how many daughters were in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Haman was a close confidant of King Xerxes, and he was the one who came in and overthrew the Babylonians and, and all the things. So Haman took uh, personally the fact that Mordecai, who is this big to-do guy in 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 the area there he wouldn't bow down to him so Haman was being elevated among like all the nobles in King Xerxes court and so they had a big parade for him as they do and as everybody as they he paraded past and walked by everybody everybody bowed down but Mordecai was like nah hmm. like hit one of those situations like right there like did one of these. Like, as, as Haman, he said, I'm not doing it. Yes. And that's what happened. Um, Good for Mordecai. Yes. Because, you know, they, they weren't going to bow down to any earthly person. So, um, and Haman's intense hatred. I mean, this was like stewed forever. And so Haman's intense hatred for Mordecai reached a climax, prompting him to devise the most over-the-top plan, like in the history of plans, um, just because he got slighted by one person, like he just went completely off the rails and he, uh, devised a plan that included the construction of a gallow that was like 75 feet high. Um, because he was so filled with spite and arrogance, he wanted to put him down in the most public over the top way possible. But then when he found out that he was a, a Jewish person that was doing this number at him, <laughs> he then uh, devised a plan to have King Xerxes make the order to kill all the Jews in the Persian kingdom. Yes. Okay. I knew about the order, but I didn't know about the original gallow yes. of it being 75 feet high. Yes. For what reason? Because I mean, I know you said to like publicly humiliate him, but it could have, the same thing could have been achieved. I mean, with a regular way less. gallow. I mean, yeah. Haman was an extra fella. Like he I really mean, was weird flex, but okay. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> so all the things happen. Um, so uh, just to back up. So, I'm sorry, however, I threw you no, off. you're good. So, <laughs> however, all things like God's not mentioned specifically in the Book of Esther, but you can kind of see His hand at play, like under the radar, behind the scenes. So, however, divine intervention played a role. Um, Haman thwarted the plan that these guys had hatched to kill uh, the king. Esther eventually revealed, (gasps) plot twist, that she is actually a Jewish person. And she revealed that at a banquet that they held for Haman after he saved the king. And then here in Esther 7, verse 7, that's where we're going to pick up here. So, she revealed how Mordecai was going to be her undoing and this order was going to re- and, and, uh, impact her and Mordecai and all the other people. And mm-hmm. so in, cha- in verse, chapter 7, verse 7, and the king arose in his wrath from the wine, from his two days of wine drinking now. <laughs> so, and the king arose in his wrath from the wine drinking and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm was determined against him by the king. And the king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine. As Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was, and the king said, Will he even assault the queen in my presence in my own house? And as the words left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on, uh, in the attendance on the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, is standing at Haman's house 50 cubits high, which is roughly 75 feet. Hmm. And the king said, Hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, and then the wrath of the king abated. So... <laughs> <laughs> so he did not end well. He really didn't. Um, in the VeggieTales version of this, <laughs> just if you want like the softer version of of uh, Haman's fate, he actually got banished 
to the land of being tickled 24-7 with a feather. And so, <laughs> and actually it scared me as a child. These little characters came in with like their hoods. See, Sarah knows what's going on over there. She's like, yeah. <laughs> they had like these little creepy hoods on and they came in with a feather. And of course they're vegetables, so they don't have arms. <laughs> it's just this floating feather that's just like. <laughs> and, and, and Mordecai, no, not Mordecai, Heyman? sorry. Haman, who is being played by, uh, don't tell me, the guy who lo- who loves his cheeseburger. <laughs> I'm not, I'm Are not you familiar? following with me? I love my cheeseburger. Yes. That guy. Anyways. <laughs> that guy. He, he, okay, he's out like... of the doorway. He's like, <laughs> So that was a long way to say that was the only thing running through my head as you were reading the real version of this. Okay. I... Was Esther a Nasparian? Mm. What was Esther? Oh, I think she's a... A uh, sweet pea? Sarah, no, please she put was that an asparagus. I think I, I'll, I'll look it up. It's <laughs> a great classic VeggieTales movie. Okay. 10 out of 10. Anyway, yeah, so sorry. there's now... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Went Michael. way sideways. <laughs> so now there's a feast, uh, uh, a feast of Purim that uh, Orthodox Jews and maybe Jewish people as a whole, they uh, celebrate each year to remember how they were saved from Haman's uh, evil plots and schemes, but that's definitely a bruised ego that just caused him to go. Com- in my reading of it, completely over the top. Like one dude decides yeah. not to bow down to you, so you erect like the world's biggest gallow, and then plot to have all of his people's just. What is she laughing at back there? <laughs> now we're oh yeah, now we're looking at so, more characters from Veggie okay. Tales. Okay, so they're they're also right here. This is the veggie tail pictures of, of Haman and, and he radically different fate. I, I, you're welcome for the little spice that I added on top of that. I'm sorry I derailed you so much. Madison took your very serious Bible breakdown and said, add a little spice and in here. One of here these we go. Yeah. But, I'm sorry, I had so, too yes. much caffeine. No, you're good, you're good. So that's, um, that's Haman, and that's what can happen if your ego is way inflated and way big. I mean, there's some good things that, I mean, Heyman obviously was good at his job there. You know, I mean, he rose through the ranks, did the things, but had a very fragile ego that at the smallest slight went sideways mega fast. He really said, let me try genocide. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So now we're going to look at (laughs) Madison's going to talk about Samson. Okay. So Samson, Samson is an interesting person. We're kind of, we're talking through some of our folks who didn't, quote unquote, didn't end well. And we're kind of progressing as we go into um, some more cheerful stories. But, or not cheerful, but ends on a good note, even though in their overall story of their life, we can see how maybe they should have made some better choices. Mm -hmm. Um, Samson is an interesting character for us to look at because even though he made some very bad, very bad decisions, his, it's like, you're thinking of a graph. Here's Samson in the Bible. (laughs) And then, and then it's real bad, but then he kind of, he kind of ends pretty good. Sort of. He has some peaks and valleys <laughs> like we all do. Yeah. So <laughs> this is, um, I'm going to introduce his character with a quote from um, the New Unger's Bible Dictionary. We'll have my references listed below, so I'm not going to read them all off every time. But the renowned judge and deliverer of Israel, Samson, was the son of Manoah of Zorah in the tribe of Dan, whose birth was foretold to his parents by an angel, accompanied with the announcement that he was to be a Nazarite to God from the womb. Samson grew up under special influences of the Spirit of God and was at, la- was at last impelled to commence the conflict with the Philistines, which only terminated with his death. What the heck does that mean? So that was like <laughs> my, the first thing that I read before I switched to reading into the Bible. And I was like, what does impel mean? How does that, wh- like, how does that compare to the word compel? Because he was impelled, not compelled. But, fun fact, Hmm. compel means to constrain someone in some way to yield or do what one wishes. Fate compels us to face danger and trouble. Impel means to provide a strong force, motive, or incentive towards a certain end. So even though as we we read more about Samson and we figure out what his storyline was like, God had like this ultimate plan for his life, but he wasn't 
forcing him Mm -hmm. to do this. He, you'll hear in some of the scriptures that we read that the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. So I think of it as like him just going like, (gasps) but he wasn't being forced to. Yes. Um, Just interesting. (laughs) So he was the second to last judge. Samuel was actually the last judge um, who comes, who comes after Uh, Samson, and he was appointed by God to protect Israel in a military capacity before they threw a fit um, because they wanted a king, but whatever, it's (laughs) to to be told eventually. Basically, we we have like a line of judges in the Old Testament that come before we actually bring in a king, and the Mm -hmm. only reason why a king was even brought in is because the Israelites were being little babies. We want to um, be like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he he was supposed to be a Nazarite from from womb to tomb, and he absolutely was not. Nice. What is a Nazarite? Good question. I'm so glad you guys asked. <laughs> you can read in Numbers, um, number 6, 1 through 21, gives like the full information on what it actually means to be under the Nazarite vow. But the short version is he couldn't drink alcohol. He couldn't be around dead bodies, and he could not cut his hair. Hmm. So he he was he had he was under the Nazarite vow from birth, and because he followed this Nazarite vow, he had superhuman strength. Mm-hmm. So the first scripture we're going to look at is Judges fourteen six. Then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion to pieces as one tears a young goat. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen I'm probably I've probably seen a lion at like the zoo or something, but I have no frame of reference right now for how big a lion is, but if I think of tearing a young goat, even that feels very impossible. Anyways, crazy. Yes. <laughs> he said, hold on, let me go sicko mode. <laughs> uh, that was the spirit of the Lord rushing upon him was him going sicko mode. Um, so basically, after he <laughs> just annihilates this lion, the story transitions into him really um, wanting to get married. Mm-hmm. And there's some drama. Again, you, you can read all about him in Judges. We're not going to get into all of it. but It's something. He, he's angry. He's angry because of multiple reasons, but we kind of pick back up in Judges 15, 14. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. The Philistines are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that had caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands, and he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. Hey, where did he get that? I mean, they just lie about, you know? I mean. Yeah. I have one in my car. I literally stepped over three from the car to the door of the building. Gross. So he finds this. Not only is it a jawbone, it's a fresh jawbone. Yes. That's so gross. He, he put out his hand and he took it. So he's like, hey, you're mine now. And then he used it to strike a thousand men. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just the endurance that takes is <laughs> yeah. something. Crazy. And now, after the, <laughs> basically, after he has this whole thing, there's more women drama. <laughs> he falls in love with Delilah. Mm. And the Philistines, the bad guys, go to Delilah and they're like, hey, can you ask him where he gets his strength from? We'll give you money. And Delilah signed up for it. So this is the this is the um, largest chunk of scripture that I'll read, but it's this it's um, from when he tells Delilah his secret to to the end. So we're gonna pick up Judges sixteen fifteen through thirty, just in case anybody is curious how I feel about him telling Delilah. My point above this scripture was he tells her parentheses dumb. <laughs> well, there was a gross in there somewhere too. Oh yeah, also. there was. Honestly, my notes for this week were a little unhinged. (laughs) It's okay. All right. Judges 16, verse uh, 15. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart, a.k.a. he finally told her the truth about how how he has his strength. 
Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks on his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out at other times and shake myself free. I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. So he's like saying, they can capture me, whatever, but I'll be fine because I I can melt them off my wrists. I don't know. (laughs) The Philistines seized him. Uh, Hold on. Did I skip ahead? Uh, He woke from his sleep and said, okay, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. Oh. Yeah. Mm, I wonder why. (laughs) And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their their god, and to rejoice. And they said, Our god has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson, that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. They Basically, they just wanted to bully him publicly. That's what entertaining means. Yeah, it's not like he was juggling or anything. Yeah, no. He, they were just like, uh-huh. He, he was a bad guy, but we got him. Um... Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women, and the lords of the Philistines were there, and and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me. Only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and he leaned his weight against them his right hand on one and his left hand on the other and samson said let me die with the philistines then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it so the so the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life so wow (laughs) and it's so weird because like i mean it wasn't I mean, you put dumb there, and I think that really under understates, like, yeah. how stupid that was. Because, like, <laughs> I mean, if you go back and you read a, a little, if you go back, like, a little bit, she pulled this scheme two times already. Like, yep. where he told her something fake. The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And then he wakes up, does his thing, and then he, but. Well, it also did say, <laughs> I, I missed the scripture, um, I was going to put it in, but I think I ended up taking it out that basically she annoys him into telling her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like when he's like vexed or it was like he's basically so annoyed that he finally told her. However, I do think that there is a certain amount of um, there's a lack of priorities that we can see in his life based on some of his previous choices made mm-hmm. concerning women. Yeah, he sees he sees what he wants, and then he wants it, and then he goes after it. Yep. And just everything else doesn't matter. So one of the things that I've always wondered about this story is how he managed to go from losing all of his strength to being able to push down two pillars. Mm. And part of it that had never really, like, clicked in my head until I read um, what I'm about to quote also from – the from the references that will be available down below the mention of samson's name in the list uh, of ancients which is a verse in hebrews eleven thirty two. they list out ancients who by faith conquered kingdoms and performed acts of righteousness so new testament is referring back to samson mm-hmm. and saying by faith he conquered kingdoms yes. and performed acts of righteousness he's yeah um, it warrants us a favorable estimate of his character as a whole. And yet, the inspired narrative records infirmities that must forever mar the luster of his heroic deeds. God take the good with the bad. The bad really ruins the good that he did do for Israel. And um, Samson the Nazarite 
we, in Samson the Nazarite, we see a man towering in supernatural strength through his firm faith in and confident reliance upon the gift of God committed to him. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we see Samson as an adventurous, foolhardy, passionate, and willful man dishonoring and frittering away his God-given power by making it subservient to his own lusts. What a human person that is. Right. <laughs> so I had never, the thing that I, I discovered while, while reading through this story that just kind of blew my mind was that he didn't he didn't just last ditch effort i'm going to use the very little bit of strength that i have left to trap these people which for some reason was always what was in my mind but it was because he was in captivity and his hair started to grow again he was therefore under that nazarite mm-hmm. vow again and that allowed his his close connection with god to return and then God was on his side because he was following the rules that God God gave him because like usually Nazarites when they take that vow it's it's temporary and you're yeah. you're not under it from birth for your whole life and, and it's voluntary. Yes. But he was told he had to be a Nazarite mm-hmm. for his entire life and when he made the decision to step away from that he he lost God. So he let his his own desires and his own interests take over. And it wasn't until he finally submitted back to God again that he was able to fulfill God's plan for taking down the Philistines. Well, how about that? Yeah. Last, <laughs> last ditch effort. I mean, I think, I mean, he, he's a very human yeah. character. And whenever I, whenever I look a lot of, whenever I look at a lot of the Old Testament people, I think one of the things that's so refreshing and so real about them is that it doesn't, they don't just whitewash them. Yeah. Like they don't whitewash David. They don't whitewash Samson. They don't whitewash any of them. And I think it makes them that much more relatable. And for me, whenever I read it, I'm like, my gosh, God used someone with all of these character flaws. You're going to be able to relate to one of them on something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if God could use that person with that flaw, that I can identify with and that I see me in, mm-hmm. it means that I'm not just written off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that there's still a way for God to use me just like he used Samson there. And I think the fact that, I mean, he had every right in the world to feel forsaken. He had his eyes gouged out. He couldn't see anything. He was being mocked. He was probably strapped to something that he was pushing around to mill, to mill grain. Which I also read predominantly like a woman's task which was therefore further humiliating like public humiliation for him yes so he was getting it from all sides and the fact that he didn't he still felt like he he still felt like he could call on god and that god would deliver him in some form or fashion yeah like that's a powerful testament to where he was at and the faith that he had yeah so it, I, it I think also, there's a lot there. Like yes, I get your point about where they where they focus on like all of the bad. Yeah. But there you I think that's like a Rorschach test for like what are you actually looking for in like yeah. in the story. There's so there's so much there. Even there's stuff from before he was even born with his parents. Um basically in from my understanding when I read it, seemingly making godly choices for the first time mm-hmm. um, because they are kind of confronted with an angel of the Lord for the first time and they're like they give they give um, they make the choices that they're told to make and they just they worship God because they get to see an angel. I don't there's just so much <laughs> that I can't even really get into in this story that really was interesting to me so i i highly recommend digging yeah, into that sure. super cool but it, it makes me wonder what could have what could his life story have been like if he had have been willing to put god before his own interests and his own lusts and the things that he wanted and are there things that i'm putting before god mm. ouch <laughs> Take it away. I don't know how to follow that up. So <laughs> just move on, honestly. So. We're transitioning to um, another bit of an unhinged character. Yes, indeed. We are. Um, so we got to talk about King Saul. Uh, there's two Sauls in the Bible. And in case you're confused, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. This is the Old Testament Saul. Um, and it kind of follows up what you mentioned at the beginning of talking about Samson. Yes. Uh, 
So we have the judges. The last couple were Samson and Samuel. Samuel's the last one. He also is the guy who kind of receives Israel saying, we want a king, we want a king. And he's like, Yeah, he's like, whatever, bro. Like, he tries to fight him, and they're like, no, we want, okay. So God gives him an out. God gives him an out. He's like, listen, it ain't because they're rejecting you. They're for real deal rejecting me. So don't take it personally, Samuel. Like, you're okay. It's it's not you, it's me. Yes. (laughs) So God sends Samuel to go find the king of Israel, the first king of Israel. And so uh, we pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 9, starting in verse 1. There's a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the son of Abiel, son of Zeror, Zeror son of Becherath, son of Aphiah, the tribe of Benjamin. His son, Saul, was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else. You handled that like a pro. You really like Thanks. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... There's the guy. He's tall. He's handsome. He's taller than everybody else. He looks just like a king. You'd expect a king to look, I guess. So in that time, he he was like five eight. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Head and shoulders above everybody else. <laughs> so fast forward to the beginning of the next chapter. Uh, Samuel took a flask of olive oil, olive oil, olive oil, and poured it over Saul's head. I just like was buffering right there. I don't yeah. know what and, and so you bad. got yeah. all of those names <laughs> so well. <laughs> he poured the olive oil on Saul's head. He kissed him, not in a weird way, like in a cultural, like "Hey, you're king" way, and said, "I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession." <laughs> So cool. I'm glad He's you king. clarified because we everybody would have not in a weird way. <laughs> so Samuel's like, "Yo, yeah, you're gonna be king. All right, cool." But then the first sign of trouble. And Saul did one of those. <laughs> Me, I'm gonna be king. <laughs> so. Not long after, the first sign of trouble pops Mm -mm. up. Uh, This is in 1 Samuel chapter 10, starting in verse 20. So uh, Samuel has kind of recognized Saul as, okay, you're going to be the king, but now we got to bring everybody together and make it official, right? Mm. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. Why does it sound like fan fiction being written about Saul? They're like, by the way, he was taller than everyone else. (laughs) Like, bro, he was so tall. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> so from the very beginning Saul seems very insecure maybe he, he told them to make sure they wrote down that he was taller than everybody else maybe All right, like, if you're going to if you're going to say that I'm hiding among the baggage you have to make sure to point out that I was tall <laughs> like I don't know <laughs> Like, I just imagine, like, just a bunch of sacks and, like, just Saul crouched down, like, behind them. Like, where's our king? He's hiding behind that bag right there. I think he's, I think he's over there. What's he, what's he doing? Just crouching. <laughs> but he's tall. But he's tall. But he's tall. <laughs> so, Saul, like, there's no reason to think, like, why he would be hiding or why he would be not excited about this, but here he is at kind of his coronation in front of everybody, in front of everybody, mm-hmm. and he's hiding. It om- it's almost like he felt some some kind of way and didn't feel up to yeah. the task, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that manifested for him very early. So he's st- like his reign starts out well enough. He wins some some military victories for Israel, but kind of along the way, some of the red flags start to pop up. Some more of the red flags start to pop up, namely. Saul repeatedly disobeying God. So, I and we just, that's its own thing that we don't have time to get into at, at here. But after like a few instance, instances of this, God rejects Saul as king and he removes his anointing from Saul. He says, I like, you're not the guy that I'm choosing anymore to be the king. Ugh. And it goes yeah. way far the other way. Because, yeah. like, it's interesting because here it starts out there was a wealthy, influential man. Uh, 
man named Kish from the tribe, and he had a son. Mm-hmm. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel. And then the polar opposite of that was a poor, small, short. Who Samuel didn't even think was. Yes. He nope. was like, what? <laughs> so, the son? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he went completely the other way. Yeah. Crazy. So, the awkward thing about this is God removes his anointing from Saul, but Saul continues to be the king. Until further notice, which is just makes for an awkward situation, you know? Yes. So God anoints David to be the next king. And, you know, if you if you would like to go in depth on David, we did a two-part episode we on did. David. So. I'm not in it, so. <laughs> but check out part two. Yes. So, like, I'm going to leave out a lot of the detail. Go check it out there. God anoints David to be the king. He's super unli- he's a super unlikely choice, right? Um, and because Saul... You like that? What I did there? An Easter egg? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Check out our unlikely yeah, series. Go to the YouTube channel. You'll you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, so Saul is still the king, and David kind of slowly becomes a part of Saul's inner circle. Um, mm-hmm. Saul is tormented by evil spirits, so it's kind of like God removes his anointing, and some evil spirits come and replace it. So Saul is really tormented by these evil spirits, but David comes along to play the lyre or the harp to soothe him. Um, it, you know they need a they need a a liar player. It just so happens that David's good at everything, including this, and he's, he's good the at guy. killing giants, yeah. collecting all sorts of things, right? And yes. Okay, so speaking of giants, David defeats Goliath, who is uh, kind of the Philistines, the bad guys still, uh, the Philistines like fighting champion. So um, after that happens, this is in First Samuel chapter eighteen, verse six. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home, returning home, gosh, I cannot talk anymore. I did the names and everything else is bad. All right. Check They're returning off. home after David had killed the Philistine, Goliath. Women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Oh. Mm, gets smoked. Ow. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. Foreshadowing. Mm. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And, you know, just one eye. He's got to keep one eye out for Selena. <laughs> he probably had the earring. <laughs> that was the jealous eye. He had the earring. Yeah. Yes. I there just figured go. it out. There we go. That's so, funny. Look <laughs> at me a second. <laughs> so this just kind of like... The situation just kind of gets worse from here. Uh, Saul tries to kill David um, a couple of times, but uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 9. I got a whole bunch yeah, of Yeah. Uh, it says, but one day when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. As David played his harp. See, they just called it a harp that time. What the heck? As David <laughs> played his harp, Saul hurled his spear at David. But David dodged out of the way, swoop, and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. So Saul would, again, leaving out a bunch of detail, go watch the David two-part episode. Saul would continue to hunt David until his eventual death. So I think Saul's downfall ultimately came down to insecurity about who he was, his position that was kind of uh, put upon him, and having this guy behind him who would eventually succeed him who... He just felt like could do no wrong, essentially, and yes. was better at in all the areas than he was. Hmm. I mean, and he—it's not like it's not like God removed him from his position. Right? Like, he still could have stayed there. Like, just kind of like if we were going to look at like what could Saul have done? Like, yeah. he still could have been like, okay, I'm still the king. I still have a chance to do things right here. Like, mm-hmm. we still have a standing order to go out and get <laughs> get rid of the Philistines and the Amalekites and all the things. Like, let me surround myself with some people who can help me make that happen. Or but, how about let me, now that this, now that I know that God has identified the next king, let me pour into him. Let me, mm-hmm. Let's mentor yep. him and bring him along. Yep. I don't know. But I also haven't had to live through that I, that perspective of the next generation kind of yeah. coming up. Like, I, I, I haven't had to do that before. So I can imagine it would be really difficult to be like, this thing that I'm passionate about. Somebody else is really good at it. I think I would probably be insecure, too. And not to go too far into it, but, like, even the thing where, you know, Saul was supposed to wait to make an offering to God until Samuel came along. Like, 
his fear that God wasn't actually going to take care of him because he felt deficient mm-hmm. in some way led him to try to do it himself, yeah. which is what was like the precipitating factor to Nah Dog, you're, yeah. you're That's done. That's very relatable for me. Yes. <laughs> and to y'all's point, I think, uh, I think it's 13 years that passed between when David is anointed and when he actually becomes king. Yeah. So wow. Saul, Saul was king until then. So he had plenty left to do even after uh, God took the anointing from him. But he was just completely overcome by insecurity. And the only thing that meant was your house isn't going to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to go somewhere else. Like, you're not, like, it doesn't remove. Like, lineage change. Yes. And so that's that's all that meant. It didn't necessarily mean, like, I hate you. Yeah, Yeah, or like, God's (laughs) like, you can't be king anymore. Yes. You still get to be king. It's just not going to stick with your house. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I definitely... I can relate, I think, to all of these characters uh, in in some in some world I, that I don't know Jesus. Mm. I probably <laughs> I probably would go as heavy in the ego as Haman did. Like I can be a very angry person, like a very petty person. Thankfully, I have Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I have the capacity to act out of spite. I don't know if it would go oh, yeah. to that. <laughs> Like, I can't imagine in what universe, but, I mean, we're all just one degree removed from doing something outrageous. That's true. (laughs) Basically, all of these, all three of these characters are very, very relatable for me. Yeah. I can really relate to Saul from the aspect of insecurity. I, Mm. I, something I deal with constantly. Like, there's lots of, um, I'll never be good enough or I'll never learn and grow thoughts that rattle around in my brain. Um, And that's that's like all areas of my life, like my Mm -hmm. own personal growth, my marriage, my professional growth, um, and so on and so forth. And it's kind of like Saul. It causes me to like doubt myself or my ability to do things well, or like if, uh, an opportunity comes up, uh, I can very easily talk myself out of being a good fit for, for that opportunity. Like, Oh, well, like that'd be cool, but like they're not gonna. I'm not gonna get picked, or I'm not gonna a good fit for that because of X, Y, and Z. Oh, that yeah. negative, that negative critic, yes. like lives rent free in my dome. Yeah, like <laughs> like I, all day. I definitely get that. I do. I struggle with insecurity for sure. But I think the the I think the character that I relate to the most is is Samson. Like just be, I think because I was raised in faith, that that like mirrored it, it mirrors in him. Uh, how he was raised straight out the womb, being mm. set apart mm-hmm. and knowing better and all of this stuff that I had the opportunity to be exposed to sooner. But because of my own desires and because I wanted the bad things more, I had portions of time where I would walk away from my faith or just be like, God and I are on cool terms. We'll catch up when I get to it. Mm. But like, if I if I don't prioritize him and put him first, I'm missing out on what a life could be like when i am walking in unison with god yeah well and we want to know who you guys relate to the most so leave that in the comments and but check out this clip from one of our teaching pastors when they had finished eating jesus said to simon peter in front of everybody now simon son of john and he that was his name also he called him simon and peter simon son of john do you love me more than these yes lord he said you know that i love you jesus said feed my lambs when the, uh, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And at this, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. In case you're wondering, Jesus is not hard of hearing when he asks Peter the same question three times. He does it on purpose. Peter gets insulted, but Jesus is trying to recondition Peter's preconditioned reflex. See, Peter denies Jesus, even knowing him, three times. And Jesus recommissions him to ministry three times. And the best part of this story is in the verse that I didn't read to you, verse 4, which tells us that this happened, this conversation right here happened very early in the morning in other words jesus reinstates peter while the roosters are still crowing looks him right in the eye just like he did on that awful day 
of Peter's failure. And he essentially says, you thought I was through with you, but I forgive you and I restore you and I love you and I'm, I'm even gonna use that failure to do great things through you. That's what forgiveness looks like. From that moment on, from that moment on, the rooster's crow no longer represented Peter's guilt. It now stood for God's grace and forgiveness. It was not the sound of horror anymore. Now it was the sound of healing. Jesus chose that particular place, that particular time, that particular audience, because he knew that Peter needed a reconditioning of his reflexes, and Jesus, as always, knew just how to do it. But this wasn't just about Peter it was about the others too. When Jesus forgave and restored Peter, those other disciples, they were sitting there. They were watching. They were listening. Jesus' forgiveness of Peter was supposed to be an example to be followed by the rest of his followers, followers like you and me. Well, just a quick recap before, just to keep everybody up to speed on the story. So what Brian was talking about there was Peter denied knowing Jesus three times after his arrest because he feared getting arrested uh, along with him and executed. So Peter denied him three times. So when Jesus came back and met with his apostles, that's where Brian's story picked up. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing that I really think jumped out to me in that is, you know, Brian mentioned how that story wasn't just meant for the people there. It was also meant for us as well. And so these stories that we looked at in the Old Testament, like they weren't just for the original listeners or to the readers. They were meant for us as well so that way we could see ourselves in them. Yeah. And the fact that if you're watching this and you're listening to this, no matter which one of those characters and their flaws that you relate to, like we all we all mentioned the ones that we were able to relate to. All of them. <laughs> Every single one of them in some form or fashion. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's not too late. Yeah. Like you don't have to you don't have to go the route that any of those people did, although those were like massive like examples, but those same things pop up in all the little actions and decisions and choices that we make as well. So that's really what I took from Brian's uh, Brian's message clip right there. I just I love that statement of it's it's never too late. Yes. Like that's such a powerful like it, like I get little chills when I think <laughs> about all of the things that I've done that I know I have like have been washed away and the fact that I every day I get to wake up to like a clean slate and mm. and start the day fresh but then also know that even if I did completely walk away from God and faith and I made horrible decisions and I wrecked my life it still wouldn't be too late like yes. God would still take me back and I just think that's so cool it's awesome I think with the characters we looked at and others like we talked about earlier the Old Testament is that's that this is the the story of the Old yeah. Testament like people messing up <laughs> and um yeah. I think it's you know there are opportunities there were opportunities for those people to change courts and mm -hmm. to get to a place where they didn't end well um and i think kind of the arc of if if this is a way we could summarize kind of the arc of the bible of like yeah this is how it looked for these people before jesus but then jesus came and now because we have jesus there it's never too late for yeah. us that's pretty awesome oh yeah and I think that's a good spot to land. Yeah. So leave us a review, and yes. if we read it, we will send you one of our awesome mugs. Like, share, subscribe, all the things. Thank we'll you for putting up with me. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see, we'll see you next week on The After Chat. Thanks for joining us for The After Chat. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with others post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To be the first to hear our next episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and get notifications for new content. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at PCCWired and Facebook at Passion Community Church. For additional resources and links, check out the description. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the after chat.